New legislation from a group of Senate Democrats is trying to ensure that tens of thousands of federal workers don't become at-will employees. The bill comes as the now-rescinded Schedule F executive order from the Trump administration has gained some recent attention in Congress. Federal News Network's Drew Friedman has been covering the latest on Schedule F, and she's here with us uh, to talk more about it. Hey, Drew. Hi, Jared. Thanks for having me. So this legislation, let's start there. What exactly would it do? So this legislation, which was introduced by Democratic Senator from Virginia, Tim Kaine, it's called the Preventing a Patronage System Act. And essentially, it would stop agency heads or agency managers from reclassifying any position in the federal civil service to something that's outside merit-based principles. So those are things like equal treatment of employees, equal pay, and they protect against other stuff too, like personal favoritism and also coercion for partisan politics. So that's something where the new legislation would essentially put into place a system or a way to prevent uh, against employees from becoming also easier to hire or easier to fire from the federal workforce. Also, any future administration or any future White House would also not be allowed to create new or additional employee classifications for federal workers. So that can include either federal workers who are coming into the workforce or reclassifying federal employees who are already working for the government. And all of these issues were were very big topics of discussion toward the end of the Trump administration when, when Schedule F was implemented. It kind of seemed like that was a dead issue after President Biden repent, re, uh, rescinded that executive order. Why is the why is this coming back around now? Right. So the legislation does it is really specifically mentioning and targeting this Trump era executive order on Schedule F, as you mentioned. And it's resurfacing now just because there has been more talk about it on Capitol Hill. That policy specifically, it would have affected, if it was still in place, about 50,000 federal workers and make them at-will employees by reclassifying positions in the government, going from the career civil service into the accepted service under the new so-called Schedule F. But as you said, Biden took away that executive order during his first week in office. So we thought it was you know, pretty much dead in the water, but now there have been more conversations and more bills about it on Capitol Hill. And so Senator Tim Kaine, he, along with several other Democratic senators, introduced this legislation to prevent a similar policy from resurfacing. Here's Senator Kaine talking a little bit more about why he introduced the bill. As you know, if you're a senator from Virginia, you really ought to care about the federal workforce because we have such a disproportionately high uh, number of people who work in the federal government. Uh, President Trump, when he was president, put an executive order in place to try to create a new category of civil service that would not have civil service protection. Instead, it would go back to the old patronage system where they could be hired at will by an administration, but also, more importantly, fired at will if they did anything that the president, for example, thought was disloyal. And I also should mention that Trump met met recently with former administration officials during a summit where he reinvigorated a call to bring back Schedule F in a possible second term, which hasn't been made official yet. But it's something that he was really focused on uh, in this meeting with his former administration officials. They also talked about, you know, things like bringing back policies to restrict collective bargaining rights um, of federal employees and their unions. And he is also trying to reinvigorate this call in Congress as well, trying to get them to introduce legislation or language that 
would revitalize Schedule F. And Drew, a little bit earlier, you kind of gestured at the idea that there are more efforts on Capitol Hill around Schedule F than just this Kane bill that he was just talking about. So what else is going on? So House Republicans, they recently reintroduced one bill that would make all federal employees at will workers. That's called the Public Service Reform Act, and it was introduced in part by Representative Chip Roy, who's a Republican from Texas, and it's essentially talking about the same or a similar thing that uh, the executive order on Schedule F emphasized. And Roy said that it would be a way for agencies to basically address employee misconduct and more easily remove or fire employees who are deemed to be underperforming. And then once those employees are fired, it would also make it more difficult for them to appeal any firings that are based on retaliation or discrimination. Um, Also, pretty notably, that bill would abolish the Merit Systems Protection Board, which is an agency that hears employee appeals about, you know, retaliation, worker place retaliation, and if they believe that they've been wrongly uh, removed from their position. Seems fairly unlikely that President Biden would sign any such legislation since he repealed Schedule F in the first place. But on the other side of the ledger, where where is there, you know, support to, again, block Schedule F from resurfacing in the way that the Kane bill would try to do? So on the House side of um on the House side of things, there have been recent moves in opposition to Schedule F. Specifically, the House passed a version of that same Preventing a Patronage System Act. That was something that was added as an amendment in July to the Fiscal 2023 National Defense Authorization Act. And that would essentially, similar to Kane's bill, block any future administrations from bringing back Schedule F type policies. That was introduced by Representative Jerry Connolly and passed in a vote 215 to 201. So it did have a little bit of bipartisan support, but so that one has passed the House now and now in the Senate side, they have introduced the partnership legislation as well. Senate Democrats also included a similar provision in the fiscal 2023 financial services and general government draft spending bill that was talking about Schedule F and similar efforts there to basically try to prevent it from resurfacing in the future. All right. Federal News Network's Drew Friedman, thanks very much for bringing us up to speed. Thank you, Jared. Hello, I'm WIPA CEO Shane Canfield, and thank you for joining us on another episode of Lessons in Leadership. I'm honored to be joined by Angie Bailey, founder and CEO of Ananda Life. Angie has a remarkable career in public service, beginning as a GS2 clerk typist with the Social Security Administration. And over the next 40 years, Angie steadily worked her way up through the government, ultimately becoming the Chief Human Capital Officer at the Department of Homeland Security. She's been recognized with presidential rank awards by two administrations for leadership, innovation, dedication, and commitment to the country. Angie, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Shane. What a pleasure to be here. Angie, you've made quite a name for yourself as a leader in the federal workforce. Who was the first person you remember looking up to as a leader, and what about them inspired you? You I often think about this because, you know, sometimes we think of the people that we look up to the most as being somebody that throughout our career has, you know, been at the highest levels and all. But, you know, I've got to go back to honestly, whenever I was 10 years old, and uh, I remember I really wanted to play Little League baseball on a boys team. I was the only girl. And interestingly, it was the women who would keep saying to me that, no, I couldn't play. 
And then one day, whenever I was there to sign up yet again, uh, there was this guy, his name was Delbert Beiser. And uh, I remember he had like red hair and he had wadded tobacco in his mouth and greasy overhauls and everything. And he said, you know, I'll take her, I'll take her on my team. And, you know, just looking back on that, there's so many leadership lessons and things that I just really admire about him. And actually, I thought about throughout my entire career, he took a chance on somebody he didn't know. He um, put aside whatever conscious or unconscious biases that he might have had about having a girl on a team. He treated me the same, uh, whether you know, if I wasn't performing, I got benched just like the boys. I got no special treatment. And, and, and he was just really honest with me and he just included me in everything. And so looking back on it, you know, really it was Delbert Beiser, our local mechanic in our little small village that was, I think my inspiration for going on to, I hope become the leader, um, you know, that, that I wanted to be. I'd say half of the guests on this podcast have had similar stories where they reach back to either childhood or young adulthood. And I, and I think as leaders, it's really incumbent upon us to keep that in mind, that, that what we say and do, admit, especially in the younger ages, really can have a lifelong impact. How would you describe your leadership style? And, and how has that developed over time? I would say that the one word that describes my leadership style is that I care. Um, I guess that's more than one word, but I care. Uh, I, I've always cared about the mission. I've always cared about the people. I've always cared, you know, about making sure that that they had what they needed or that they were developing the way, uh, you know, that they aspired to develop. And I tried to take this approach of not treating people the way I wanted to be treated, but instead treat people the way they wanted they want to be treated. And I think that that really kind of developed over my career. You know, I started out just like most leaders do where it's very results driven. It's all about the bottom line. You need to make sure that you get everything accomplished because, you know, that's what everybody's looking for, the goals, the metrics, et cetera. But I think as you mature and you go along, you start to, to your point, you draw back on those early childhood days or early adult young, you know, whenever you're a young adult and you say, you know, I think that there's a little bit more to this than just the bottom line. And so over time, I really began to, I, I think, see a much bigger picture and the entire ecosystem, if you will, and how the people themselves fit into all of this. And that ultimately, at the end of the day, it was all about the people. And so, I, you know, I think my, my maturity allowed me to then shift and focus more on the people than, than so much on results and bottom line. You've been recognized with two presidential rank awards two different administrations, you founded your own company. Tell us a little bit more about your background from the beginning and, and how did that lead you to where you are today? Well, you know, it's kind of interesting, like you said, that I started out as a GS2, a social security administration. I mean, what I really wanted to be was a criminal prosecuting attorney. It's, that's That was absolutely my dream. I sometimes joke and say what I really wanted to be was a mafia don, but that wasn't going to work out. So, you know, had to be a criminal prosecuting attorney. But, you know, I had to get a job to pay for college. I, you know, it wasn't in the cards that I was going to be able to go to college without a job. So I applied at the social Security Administration, or I'm sorry, at the unemployment office. And lo and behold, I got a job at Social Security. I didn't even know it was federal, to be honest. Uh, from there, I went to the Department of Defense and I found this, this career field called labor and employee relations. 
And honestly, it was as close as I was going to get to being a criminal prosecuting attorney. I didn't go on to be a, a criminal prosecuting attorney, but I went on courtesy of Department of Defense to get both my bachelor's and my master's in leadership because the whole study of leadership, I just find incredibly fascinating. Um, you know, from hi historical to current current times, I just it's just something that's just really fascinated me. And so I just, I would say I'm a lifelong learner of leadership. And then I would say some of the other things that got me maybe where I am today is I never really said no to anything. If people asked me to take on a new challenge, even if I wasn't sure I was going to be successful at it, I would say, you know what, I'm not sure this is going to work out, but more than happy to give it a try. And it always worked out. But I think giving things a try and just not saying no to opportunities is what really led from one position to the next. I feel like I was always rewarded for just stepping in or stepping up and taking on the challenges that sometimes no one else wanted to do. Angie, thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you, Shane. It's such a pleasure. I, I really appreciate you giving me this opportunity. Thank you. This has been the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I'm CEO of WEPA, Shane Canfield. Looking forward to talking to you next time. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you're sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.